Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 13. I want to say that I greet you in the name of Jesus, which is still the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Don't die till you get baptized in Jesus' name. And if you think that felt wonderful to get your sins washed away, just wait till you get this Holy Ghost. Tonight I'm going to talk about what it what you have to do to get the Holy Ghost. And I'm also going to talk about why we shout. Did you notice anybody getting exuberant tonight? I'm going to tell you why we do that. And I'm going to tell you what you have to do to get the Holy Ghost. Oh, I'm not going to tell you the words that you have to say. I'm going to tell you what has to happen down in the heart. Is that okay? I'm going to do it whether it's okay or not. So you you just might as well come along for the ride. I'm so glad we got to meet all the mamas in the family. And the Calhoun family is greatly blessed to have the, the wonderful mamas that you all do. I just tell you, mamas are the glues that hold families together. And I can't give the mothers enough honor and enough respect. I miss mine. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, two verse, three verses actually. Jesus is speaking here, and he's having to describe the kingdom of heaven in ways so that people can understand it. And he's already said several things, and so he says again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field the which when a man hath found he hideth and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field again the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls who When he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. And all the church said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I've read to you two stories. And they're both just about the same thing. One is about a man who accidentally finds a treasure. And what he does to procure it. The second story is about a man who has a dream. A dream of finding the world's biggest pearl. 
and possessing it. And he goes after that. The word of God is multifaceted as far as I'm concerned. Everybody look at that pulpit. I can see a side of this pulpit that you can't see. But yet we're looking at the same thing. He sees a dimension that pastor is not looking at. And pastor sees a dimension that none of us see. And yet we're looking at the same thing. For example, scripture gets quoted. and We hear folks quote scripture that says, And I, if I be lifted up, will draw men unto me. And they'll say, lift up the name of Jesus. And actually, when we lift up the name of Jesus, there is something precious that happens. But when you are technical in its interpretation, it's actually talking about Jesus being lifted up on Calvary. And yet, neither understanding takes away from the other. It just kind of looking at the same phrase from a different vantage point. So when I read these scriptures that I've read to you tonight, I can see and understand about Christ giving his all for the church. And yet from an evangelist point of view, I understand what it takes to get what he has for us. These two stories are different in that one man finds the treasure accidentally. Another man finds the treasure on purpose. And whether you found him, or he found you, whether you find him accidentally. I've heard guys say they came to church because a girl went to church. She never married him, but he did get the Holy Ghost. And as they say in some parts of Texas, that's a mainest thing. You may find him accidentally, but all I can say is thank God for the day I found him, he found me, however you want to say it. It's no accident that you are here and that I am here. And I'm going to tell you what I'm going to preach, and then I'm going to try to preach it, and if you're good boys and girls, I might even tell you what I preach to you. I want to preach from the first Passage of Scripture, Acts 13, 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to treasure. The Bible said we have a treasure within an earthen vessel. It's talking about this Holy Ghost. We have a treasure within, hid in a field. And if our gospel be hid, the book said it's hid to them that are, are lost. The witch... When a man hath found, he hideth. He didn't hide it because he was ashamed of it. There's some folk ashamed of this treasure. You can watch him pray and arrest it. Thank you, Jesus, for the flu. Bless my body just now, man. Kind of quiet right there, Pastor. I don't know what the deal was. You know... He hid it because he didn't want anybody to steal it. I don't know how things are here in in the Texas 
Arkansas neck of the woods. But up in Yankee land where I've lived for more years than I can remember nearly. Back in the, now today they, they steal wiring and copper right out your house. It's pretty sad. But back in the day, we didn't have to lock the doors if there wasn't nothing in there. You know, if you got a house and it's empty, you didn't really have to worry about folks stealing the sheetrock off the walls. They kind of hard up for sheetrock. They come trying to rip yours out. But when you move in and you get stuff, Lord, you get your furniture, air conditioners, you get your computers. You get your stereo system and Xbox monitor. Did I say it right, Pastor? (laughs) You get the China and the China cabinet, shotguns. Now I'm preaching. And you get silverware. Flatware, underwear. (laughs) All of a sudden, you buy locks for the doors. Dead bolts, live bolts, chains, locks. You get cyclone fences. You get alarm systems. You buy a Rottweiler. Why? Because now you have something worth protecting. I have a problem as a pastor and as an old preacher at this point where people crying and complaining about all the trials you're having to go through. Well, I never had this problem before I stopped to church. Well, I'll tell you why the devil never bothered you when you was out in the world. You didn't have anything to steal. But now that you're in church, oh, you got a treasure within an earthen vessel. You ought to stand on your feet and say, I thank the Lord I got something worth fighting for and something worth defending. Oh, come on, somebody. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hid in the field, the which one of the man hath found, he hideth. And for... It's going to get better, brother. It's going to get better. Okay. He hideth and for joy. Everybody say joy. joy. For joy thereof goeth and selleth whatever he can afford to sell. All that he hath. What's the matter? You cost more money to leave the scripture up? Selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. What I want to preach to you about for the next two hours. In dog years anyway. Is buy the whole field. If you're going to live for God, you might as well go gung-ho. You might as well give it your best shot. The most miserable people are those that only live for God half-heartedly. Oh, come on, somebody. 
Thank you very much. It's my sermon. I'm going to preach it however I want to. I, I don't know what in the cornbread world this dude was doing in somebody else's field. He read the sign and said, no trespassing, no hunting, no fishing. Sound like where we went the other day. <laughs> the devil makes me say things. <laughs> I don't believe he was, a, as my boy would say, my young son would say, shysty. I believe he was a stand-up gentleman. Because he found a treasure and he could have made off with it, nobody would have been the wiser. But he wanted to do it right. If you're going to live for God, you've got to do it right. Can I get a witness? He prayed back through. We're glad to have him back in church. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. God's moving. Revival not over yet, folks. So, the very fact that he bought the field tells me he wasn't a hired hand. Because if he would have been an employee, he wouldn't have had enough money to buy the field himself. I don't know what he was doing there. See, when folks backslide, they try to drag other folks right out of church with them. <laughs> These folks are going to be afraid to get up and walk out, aren't they, doctor? <laughs> See why God don't let me pastor anymore? I was tormenting his people, evidently. All I can tell you is that in my twisted mind, all I can comprehend is that maybe, just maybe, he was a neighbor from down the road who was in there plowing. The man hired him to come and plow his field. How would he discover a treasure hid in the field? Some kind of dirt had to be uncovered for him to find it. So he was more than just a passerby. All right? So I'm trying to, to get all the gold I can out of this one verse of Scripture without doing an injustice to the Word of God. But the book is able to take a whole lot of stuff and just cram it into one little verse. And you can bypass it and not think about everything that it means and not understand everything that it means. So allow me tonight, if you will, to try to imagine what it would have been like to have lived in that one verse of scripture. I see this old boy plowing in the field. He's a neighbor from down the road. He's got the reins over his shoulder and hanging on to the plow, walking behind his old mule. And all of a sudden, the mule, you know, it's pulling steady, but those plow handles just jump up in his hand. He hollers woe to the mule and they back up. He hollers giddy up and it goes forward again and it hits a little something. He don't know if he's hit a root, a stump, a rock. He don't know what he's hit. All he knows is he's hit something, kind of like preaching. You preach along and everybody says amen, then you say a little something and it gets quiet. And you know you've hit a little something. So you got to back up and plow that fur over again. What I'm saying is we can make this a long sermon or we can make it a longer sermon. 
gets down on his knees to get out of the way, whatever's down there. And in digging around, he finds that he uncovers a treasure. I'm not saying there was pirates back in Bible days, but in my mind, just go with the flow. There's a treasure chest of some kind. He pulls the dirt away. He looks at it. It's rusty in the, on the hinges, and the hasp is all rusty. He opens it up, and when he does, he sees gold. Or Worthen Originals. <laughs> There's silver, gold, diamonds, rubies. He knows that if he can possess this treasure, his style of living will never be on the same level it's been. I mean, he will be living in another realm, another dimension he's ever lived before. His life will be forever changed if he can just own this treasure. Let me just tell you, this is more than just a social gathering. If you can ever get this apostolic experience, you will never be the same. You may not have a family out there, but God gives you a family. He takes the solitary and puts them in a family. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you get hope and help here. You don't get anyplace else. You like things quiet? Go to the library. The book said make a joyful noise unto the Lord. You're in a church that believes and prays and magnifying Him. We've got something here to be happy about. I don't know what he did, but I can imagine that he covered it back up again, making sure nobody was looking. And he marks the place with his foot. Decides that's going to be enough plowing for today. And he takes the mule and he heads for the barn. Gets the mule in the barn, picks up an old rag and wipes the mule down. Make sure it's got water, puts the feed bag on for it. And he heads up to the big house to see Mr. Jones live up here in the big house, the rich guy, always wears black undershirts. <laughs> or blue, whatever color it is. Black, all right. I try not to pay too much attention to what guys wear, you know. I got lots of problems. That's not one of them. Hallelujah. I see him as he says to the man, Hey, Mr. Jones, I tell you what, I've been plowing out there in that field today. I believe that's the richest soil I've ever plowed in. You got to be ready for the little ones, all right? He tells him, uh, you, you know where that green bay tree is out yonder? I'd like to buy a, a piece about 50 foot south and about 50 foot west of that green bay tree. If that is what he had said, this guy would have thought, what in the cornbread world does he want with 50 square feet right out there in the middle of that field? There's no tree line, no fence line, there's no path, there's no creek, nothing, nothing. This man knew that if he got the treasure, he was going to have to be willing to buy the whole field. 
When you come to God, you don't come to God like you're going through the buffet. I like this. Ooh, I don't like that. Oh, Pastor Calhoun, I love the singing at your church. But that's about all. I just come for the singing because it's, it's, it's good. I feel something. But they don't want this Holy Ghost or baptism in Jesus' name. They, they don't want this lifestyle. Let me just tell you. That's one of the saddest places in the world to be because you're so close and yet you have this twisted concept that you can look at the treasure and never possess it. I I worry about people that see this and don't want it. Maybe, just maybe, they have never seen the treasure because the way I want to preach it to you tonight is once you see this treasure, you can't live it one day without this treasure. You got to make up your mind. I got to have it and I got to have it now. Some people don't even like worship. Well, I said something wrong. I've actually seen him get very. I just had a flashback. They asked me to preach at Goodwill Industries corporate headquarters, do a a service at 7 o'clock on a Monday morning. That's just wrong on every level. Okay, just no preacher ought to have to preach at 7 o'clock on a Monday morning at a corporate anybody's corporate headquarters. They got in a pushing and shoving match on the platform of this chapel. Over what songs you're saying? One, no, that's too loud. No. And so I preached on, is God ugly? <laughs> oh, God, help me. The book said there's no beauty in him that any should desire him. I also read the scripture said, but to them that know him, he's precious. And my point was, if he's ugly to you, then that means you don't know him very well. If worship is ugly to you, then you don't know him very well. If holiness is ugly to you, then you don't know him very well. If paying your tithes is ugly to you, then you don't know him very well. If living a separated life from the world is ugly to you, you don't know him very well. Because to them that know him, he's precious. Is he precious to anybody in this house right now? Go ahead and put your hand together. My father-in-law called me and said, son, had an evangelist cancel and church starts in three hours. Can you preach revival for me this week? He lived 100 miles away, pastor 100 miles away. I said, absolutely. So I don't want to stay over Sunday. I was gone last Sunday. I, I really don't want to be gone the second Sunday. So I agreed to preach Tuesday through Saturday every night. I have a wonderful father-in-law, mother-in-law, my wife's sisters, just the best you could ever hope to have. They treat me like better than I ever had dreamed I would be treated as a brother-in-law. Let's just put it that way. Nevertheless, the last night I'm preaching and I get in the book of Nehemiah 
about when Nehemiah got the walls rebuilt. It said about chapter 4, and God made the men to rejoice with a great noise. And it said, and the women, they rejoiced also. And when the children heard mama and daddy shouting, they started shouting. So my point was to them, Daddy, you want your boy to be a worshiper? Let them see you praise God. Mama, you want your daughter to worship the Lord? Let her see you with your hands in the air and tears running down your cheek. Don't expect your kids to praise God if you won't praise God. Some of us have got around church all our life. We're professionals. We sit and let everybody else do it. Well, Brother Ballester, I'm a senior citizen. That's sign language. Big, airy, deal. You may not do what I do, but everybody ought to do something for Jesus. Oh, come on, somebody. I thank God that though I'm bumping 70 right square in the face, I still got enough strength to lift my hands, lift my voice, to lift my heart and magnify Him. I don't want to be deader than 4 o'clock in the morning sitting on a pew. So I get to preaching and I come back about halfway down the aisle. And I see this guy with... Sitting there, my old fishing buddy. My father-in-law didn't like to fish. I like to fish and hunt. I go fishing when you can't go hunting. I prefer to go hunting. I've ran all kinds of bobcat hounds and rabbit dogs. I didn't tell you to sit down. Do you always make decisions without involving the man of God in your life? said to him, I said, you know what? My father-in-law didn't like to fish, so he hooked me up with this guy, and he took me fishing a time or two. I said, bro, all the years I've been coming here, 20-some years, I've never seen you out in the aisle. I've never seen you with both hands in the air during a worship service one time. I said, have you ever danced in the Holy Ghost? He said, no, sir. I said, well, tonight is your lucky night. And he said, I'll give you everything in my pocket if you let me sit down. (laughs) Well, I might be ugly, but I'm not ignorant. I knew the boy didn't have no money in his pocket. You're hanging on that seat like you're scared, son. Take it like a man, all right? I said, the Bible said, leap for joy. Now, I want you to stand right there, just relaxed, and don't do much, all right? Can you do that? You look like a professional, all right? (laughs) 
Bible said leap for joy. It didn't say leap because you got it, leap because you want it. It just said leap. So I started leaping, and the quail head stood right there and didn't do one blessed thing. Well, the people snickered at me, I think. So I said, give me both your hands. I said, the Bible said leap for joy. I need you to do the same thing you did last time. Can you do that? You got it down pat, don't you? Yes, I got her down. That's what I'm talking about. So I started jumping up and down, and the dude just stood there. And the people laughed at my discomfiture. So I, I looked at this brother, and I said, man, I've, I feel like I've embarrassed you. I, I don't want to do that. I love you, man. I don't want to mess up my fishing is what I don't want to do. So would you forgive me? Yes. I said, somehow I don't feel it's very sincere. I said, hug my neck, man. I love you. <laughs> I bounced him. Give my man a hand over here. <laughs> I bounced him till I felt him kind of do a little something like that, and I turned him loose. Man, he was going all over the all over the place. His wife went wall-eyed. She couldn't believe the quail head was out in the aisle shouting. She got up and she Bobby Penn started going zing, zing, zing. And the married children looked at mama and daddy. And their jaws dropped up. And the kids got up and they They went to shouting. And the church could not believe. They saw the whole family shouting that had never shouted. And they got up and the church just went, oh, they just went crazy. They shouted for an hour. I went up, gave my father-in-law a hug, told him goodbye. I had to drive two hours, go through a time zone to get home. I wouldn't get home before 1 o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning. Went over and gave my mother-in-law a smooch on the cheek. Winked at my little sister-in-law's. Walked out the door. Got in my car, drove two hours. When I walked in the door of my house, my wife is on the house phone, and she pulled it up like that. She said, Dad said, they're still shouting. Over three hours, these people shouted. There was one person that was the key to a breakthrough in that church. There's a person sitting in this house. It's a breakthrough to revival right here. I just wish to God somebody would let go. I wish to God somebody just go ahead and praise him. You say it's not my nature. Yes, it is your nature. When you get this Holy Ghost, it changes your nature. When you buy the whole field, you're getting worship. 
You're getting praise. You're getting prayer. You're getting everything when you buy the whole field. When you buy the whole field, you no longer have a problem with doctrine. You know, have a long, no longer have a problem with the Word of God. If the Word of God says it, bless God, that's what I'm going to do. Sit down. You have to buy the whole field. I need a volunteer from these first two rows. It's so sweet of you to volunteer, dear. Come here. Thank you. <laughs> Give her a hand. <sighs> I just love it when people are so willing. They're scared of me. I don't know what price they settled on. But whatever it was, it was more money than he had in his bank account, more money than he had in his wallet. But he knew if I go home and sell everything that I have, I can buy this field. I see him. As he says to the man, when they settle on price, man, I, I got some stuff I got to sell. I, I went online this morning, and I checked my Wells Fargo account online. I ain't got, I ain't got enough, but I got some stuff I got to sell. Promise me you won't sell it out from underneath me, all right? You got 30 out six? I got a 30 out six, too. I'll trade you if I need to. Okay. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to treasure hid in a field. The which when a man hath found, he didn't find it up on the board because they took it down. <laughs> he hideth, and for joy thereof. He didn't say, oh, Lord, <laughs> I just got to give up so much to live for God. I don't know. You just want to kick them. I worry about people that act like you're giving up anything. My first cousin, Clayton Brown, out in uh, Napa, California, we were going to play Major League Baseball, but we couldn't because of sinus trouble. Wouldn't nobody sign us. <laughs> Lord, I apologize for that one right there. Don't come in here acting like you was all that. Well, I'll study to be a doctor. Why don't you just get honest and admit you was just emptying bedpans in a hospital? Right? <laughs> we was nothing what he found us. We didn't give up one thing for this. All we gave up was a prepaid ticket to a devil's hell. You don't know like I know what he's done for me. I got the best end of the deal. I got the best part of the trade, brothers and sisters. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to treasure hidden in the field, the which when the man hath found he hideth and for and for 
can't do any of this walking down the road. But I see him go. <laughs> Woo! Man, he's kicking. He's happy. He's thrilled. I am going to get me a treasure. And I want you to know that you and I are blessed of the Lord to have an opportunity to get a treasure like this one right here. Amen? Now notice this. When he goes over to, he gets close to the house, but he makes a little stop off along the way. And I see him as he comes up to uh, Brother Benjamin. Brother Benjamin has a real, he's a real estate broker, and he, he buys and sells houses. Come here, Brother Ben. You don't have a permanent in your hair, do you? Brother Benjamin, I have a three-bedroom, two-mule garage, built-in swimming pool. I have to sell the house today. I want you to come and take a look at it. Now, this man, he, his mama sung a lullaby to him when he was a baby. Buy low, sell high. And so, Brother Ben agrees to come and look at the house. So, they're walking down the road, and they get close to the house. And the man hollers out, Myrtle! And his wife, Myrtle, comes out of the house. She's graduated with honors from wife school. Give Myrtle a big hand here, huh? Uh, Myrtle, this is Brother Benjamin. He's going to be buying our house. Uh, Brother Ben, this is my wife, Myrtle. I can hear her. She says, what? What? You can't sell that house. That house is a wedding present from my daddy. He built that for me. You can go sell it. And she reaches down and picks up our two children. We have two children. Somebody called Child Protective Services, right? <laughs> Sorry. Come on. And she hurries as fast as she can over to her mom's house. You drop the kids for crying out loud. <laughs> Come on, put your arm around her. The mean mother-in-law said, I told you, that boy wouldn't wrap too tight. If you'd listened to me, this never would have happened in the first place. My point, and I'm going to keep going back to it, is that it may be your family, it may be your best friends, but they will not understand why you live like you live, why you dress like you dress, why you do what you do, why you don't do why you, what you don't do until they see the treasure for themselves. All they want to do is argue and debate 
But I'll just tell you right now, a person that has an experience with God is never at the mercies of anybody that has an argument. Argue all you want. I've seen the treasure with my own two eyes. So Brother Benjamin, a castle right here. I need you to write me out a check for it right now. Yeah. You don't write checks much, do you? Hold that check, hold that check back out. You put the date up here, you put my name, and you put the amount right there, and you sign it down the bottom. I would advise you to put a little something in a memo over there too. Now, yes. Well, give it to me for crying out loud. Thank you. Give my man a hand right here, huh? Thank you. He looks at that check, and it's not near enough. Well, in the meantime, the mean mother-in-law keeps the kids, and she sends Myrtle back to protect the house and the stuff, the contents in the house. So she runs or hastens and hurries back over to to the house. He goes on down the road and he is thinking, you know what? I got to sell some of the stuff on the inside of the house too. He comes to see Brother Harry, the horse trader. (laughs) Brother Harry runs a little auction shop downtown Tuesday night, auction 7 o'clock. Y'all come when you can. He also has a used furniture store, 3rd Main Street, Texarkana, Texas. And there may not even be such a street in Texarkana. I don't know. I hear him as he says, um, Brother Harry, I, I got a house full of furniture I need to sell today. So I want you to come and look my stuff over, and, and uh, I, I want to sell it to you today. So he, he hitches the old mule up to the wagon, and they head out towards the house. And they get up... If you're going to go, go big. So they get close to the house and he all... Myrtle's mad at him. And Myrtle comes. He said, Myrtle, uh, I appreciate you trusting me. I know you're not understanding anything that's happening today. And I need you to believe me that this... This is something awesome's going on. But this is Brother Harry, the, the horse trader. You know, he's got that little used furniture store downtown. He has auction on Tuesday nights we used to go to when we was poor. And, and um, anyway, Brother Harry's going to be buying all of our furniture. Buying our furniture. First you're selling a house, and now you're selling the furniture. What's wrong with you? Have you lost your ever-loving money? Have you lost your doogies? Y'all have doogies down here? You know what doogies are? Heard about them? Read about them? A bunch of sophisticated folks act like you don't know what doogies are. Don't make me lose my doogies, i just tell you that. Because I may not find them again. So when Myrtle hears that he is buying all the furniture, 
she hastens back over to where the mean mother-in-law lives. Now, Brother Harry, what I need you to do is get, are you left-handed or right-handed? Right-handed. Get your imaginary pad out. Get your imaginary pen. You don't even have to talk. What we're going to do is I'm going to say, how much will you give me for this? And you just act like you're writing something down. Can you do that? I hadn't said nothing yet. Come on. So they go to the house, through the house, and he said, what you give me for, for that couch right there? Those two end tables, the lamps. What you give me for these two lazy boys right here? I got two big screen TVs. What you give me for them? I have a, this is a, this is a Rembrandt. What do you give me for that? He sells the boys Playstations, the Xbox. Boy, they're going to be mad when they find out I sold their stuff. He goes into the bedroom and he says, this is our king size three-poster bed. <laughs> One of the legs must have broke off or something. <laughs> what you gave me for this? And he goes to the chest of drawers and he pulls out the drawers and starts throwing the stuff on the bed. Which you, you write down. I, I'm... Don't be going through the stuff right here. It's what you give me for this and this. And he writes stuff down. Goes over to the dresser. Does the same. He's writing everything down. He picks up all of his wife's makeup on the top and says, what you give me for this? And he gets all of her jewelry boxes. How much you give me for all of this? He goes over to the closet and he pulls out his sport coat and his slacks and his car hearts and his jeans and his seven cowboy shirts and he pulls his boots out which give me for all that and he gets his camel oh lord I hate to sell the camouflage and he he sells that he gets his wife's skirts and blouses and dresses and slacks and I don't know what that is anyway what you give me for He sells everything in the house. He goes to the children's room. He sells the baby bed, the rocky chair, the rocky horse, the mother goose books, the changing table, the potty chair, the teddy bear. He sells everything. They go into the kitchen and he sells the double wide refrigerator. He sells the stove, the microwave. Stay with me now. The curry c- coffee maker. I say something to Finya? <laughs> Some folks just don't want to pay the price. I mean, it just, just boils down to that. He opens up the cupboards, and he pulls out plates and saucers and teacups and tea glasses. 
He pulls out raisin bran, post toasties, shredded mini wheats, cocoa puffs, the boys selling Cheerios. He pulled, he's got 16 packs of Splenda left there. and He sells that. He's selling everything. The Bible said he did. Are you saying, Brother Ballester, if I get this Holy Ghost, I got to go home and sell everything? Yeah, really, that's what I'm saying. You got to sell it in here. You got to say, God, I'm not going to let one thing in my house or in my world come between you and me. Preaching for Brother Billy Burgess in Shelton, Washington. Preached there many years. There's a girl in the church named Elizabeth that I fiercely love her. Haven't talked to her twice. But I love what happened to her. She was a waitress at a little breakfast lunch cafe. Only had like four tables in the place. Just a little hole in the wall. A little private inside information thing there. Anyway, one of the guys from the church worked in construction and he would stop there and eat breakfast every morning and he would never flirt with Elizabeth. He was always cordial, left a nice tip. But he, she noticed that he prayed over his meals every, time, every day. And he, so he was a little slow, she figured, on, you know, picking chicks up. So she thought she'd help the process out. She said, uh, after about the end of the third week, she said, I notice you pray over your meals. Do you go to church? I said, oh, yes. I said, where do you go? So said, well, I go to Apostolic Lighthouse. Oh, she said, I know where that is. I said, isn't that where most of the ladies in that church wear dresses? I said, yeah, that's. She said, well, I'd love to come, but I don't even own a dress. And he said, well, you're welcome in our church however you are. Just come. We'd love to have you. Said, so, matter of fact, we've got some old bald-headed guy preaching revival for us right now. We have church tonight, 7.30. So she went out and thought she'd buy her a skirt just to fit in, so she bought her the cutest little mini skirt she could find. She came. She sat on that side of the church, and she cried during every song. She cried during the testimonies. She cried during the preaching. She came down the altar, and she cried for half an hour, prayed. She said, baptize me. Baptized her. She cried in baptistry, but she didn't get the Holy Ghost. About 11.30 that night, she called that dude. I don't know how she got his number. I'll just tell you this much. A mouse trap doesn't chase mice, but it catches them just the same. Uh, Go learn what that means. So, Lord, I apologize for that. She... She said, I, I think I've lost my mind. I think I'm going crazy. He said, what are you talking about? She said, well, when I was putting the key in the door of my house, something said to me, if you're going to be living for Jesus, you ought not to have anything in your house that you wouldn't want Jesus to see. She said, when I walked in the house, the first thing I saw was all my hip-hop and my rap CDs. I thought, oh, Lord, I can't play that stuff for Jesus. I know the words on on those CDs. I, I, I couldn't let him hear that. She said, I went over to the rack. I got all of them, and I just threw them in a big pile on the floor. She said, it felt so good. I just kind of jumped up and down, and I clapped my hands. And I turned around, and I looked at 
another rack that had DVDs on it. And I knew the ratings on those. And I couldn't let Jesus see those because those weren't something I could show to Jesus. And she said, I just grabbed all those and I threw those on top of it. And I got to laughing and I got to crying at the same time like I was having a nervous breakdown. And she said, then I went in my room and I went into my closet and I got everything I didn't want Jesus to see me put on. Nothing was said about anything except Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized in Jesus' name and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Don't you love it when God starts talking to somebody's heart? She said, I went to my closet and I got everything that I didn't want Jesus to see me wear. And I threw it on top of the other stuff. She said, and I got to jumping up and down and crying and laughing at the same time. And I went back into my room and my dresser and I got all my makeup and all my jewelry. And I threw it on top of that. And she said, and my bottom lip started to tremble. And she said, funny words started coming out of my mouth. She said, have I lost my mind? I said, oh no, Elizabeth, you've just received the Holy Ghost. That's what's happened to you. I'm saying when you're willing to buy the whole field, <coughs> something's going to happen. Oh, can I get a witness? Can I get a witness in the house here tonight? <coughs> they go into the dining room. He sells the dining room table, the 12 chairs. He sells the china cabinet. The old country roses chime in it. The crystal goblets. The ceramic napkin holders. The crystal knife rest. He sells everything. He goes into the den and he sells the pool table. He sells... All the games of the children goes out into the backyard, points at his two mules and said, what you give me for them? Come on, stay with me. He sells the harnesses. He sells all the tack. I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. One, two, three, four, five, six. I got 56 bales of alfalfa right there. I got... 22 bags of feed right here. What you give me for all that? I've got 113 white lagrons. Chickens. <laughs> what you give me for them? I've got 17 fence posts and i got got 100 and I think it's 150 feet of Bailing wire right there. What you give me for that? He sells his sword, his bow and arrow. The man's selling everything. And he thinks he just about got it. And he says, oh, Lord. Blue. And his old coon dog, Blue, comes up wagging his tail. said, I did. Blue won second place in nationals last year. It's a good dog right there. What you give me for blue? The man selling everything. When he writes out the check, he's trying to go to school on that other dude. He don't want to get busted right here is what the deal is. 
Thank you very much. Give my man a hand. I'm wanting to believe that when he added the two amounts together, that it was just the right amount. Brother Ballastero. Well, my point is, God's not going to ask more of you than he does you. He's not going to require more of you than he does you. What he asks is everything. He wants your all. He wants all of you. He wants all of me. That's what he wants. Don't be holding back on him. He casts his checks and he hastens over to the big house where the rich dude lives up there on the hill. Mr. Baldy. Hold your hand out. Hold your hand out. I'm going to give you some money. And he starts laying the money in the man's hand and he's counting it out. I need you to write me a warranty deed. You're not getting no rifle. I sold it. So he's writing out a warranty deed. I'm going to shake your hand. Thank you very much. And he takes that warranty deed. (laughs) Woo! Folks, you haven't lived until you got this Holy Ghost. Well, by now, it's been a long day. Sun's already set by now. And he goes down the road to, see, to that mean mother-in-law's house to see if Miss Myrtle will still talk to him. And he knocks on the door. And the mean mother-in-law, she don't know whether to shoot him with an arrow, stick him with a dagger. Look at that mean face right there. Nobody want to face that right there. So she finally allows Miss Myrtle to come. I want to show you what I bought with our money. And they walking down the road in the moonlight. And they get they getting close. Boy, she's into this, ain't she? They get close to the property. And he said, Hey darling, I, this is what I bought with all of our money. And she looks at the field. You what? My daddy used to plow that field. He said that was the sorriest piece of property in 17 counties. Now where am I going to sleep? We ain't got no house or nothing now. You sold it all. What's wrong with you? And you sold everything we have for this? It doesn't make sense to anybody. The change that they see in you until they can have a look for themselves at that treasure I want our musicians and singers to go ahead and get up in place. I'm going to quit right about here. So I'm giving you all a little warning. If you're singing, you ain't doing it tonight, girlfriend. I'll just tell you that right now. <laughs> so they come up to the fence, and he... Step over that fence right there. Don't catch you where it ought not to, okay? <laughs> the singing's this way. I don't know who trained y'all, but they, we might have to do some remedial training. The platform's right there, just a straight shot when you got to get. 
Give a hand, huh? It's all right. So he gets out in the field, and he finds the place. I need you to stand on that other side right over there. And he finds the place where the treasure was. The stars are bright. The moon is out. And he gets down. And he uncovers the dirt from off of that treasure. Stand back over here just a little bit. Stand right here where they can see. And he opens up the lock on that treasure chest. And when he does, the moon shines on the diamonds. The rubies never look redder. The silver glistens. The gold. Oh, the nuggets bigger than you can imagine. I hear him as he says, darling, I'm going to build you the biggest house in the whole wide world. You'll never have to work another day in your life. You'll never wash clothes again unless you just like to wash clothes. You'll never have to clean house. I'll hire people to clean, to clean house for you, to cook for you. I'll put you on the front porch in one of them Cracker Barrel rocking chairs. You just have people fan you all day long. Girlfriend, you're going to be a pampered pooch from here on out. I'm going to build you a prettiest coach you've ever seen and 99 horses pull you down the road. You'd be styling, profiling. <laughs> and she says, whatever. You think that's what she did? Go ahead and stand with me just a minute. Back up here with me. I don't understand people that claim to have an experience with God and they're not excited about it. They come to church dead at 4 o'clock in the morning. You must not have the same experience I got down in my heart. Because it makes me want to get excited. It makes me want to do it. You know what I'm talking about? I was... Uh, I was manager, supervisor of H&R Block. Some one day had 28 preparers in my office. And one day there was a scream like, Sound like an axe murder just happened. And I heard, now when that happens, that's a good refund. <laughs> but it wasn't a refund. Everybody stands up. They look over the petitions. It's a tax preparer. And she has a piece of paper. She has won $50,000 in the lottery. And she is happy. And she is picking them up, putting them down, shouting. And people that didn't even know her were saying, You go, girl! (laughs) Because it seemed appropriate to do that for $50,000. And you and I have inherited eternal life, and they want us to be quiet about it and not lift our voices.
something to shout about. I don't know what happened out there in that darkness. Have you ever shouted? Good. Now you and I are going to jump up and down. And we're going to say, we're rich, we're rich, we're rich. We're both going to holler it, but I've got the microphone. Okay. I don't believe there was whatever. Whatever. That wasn't happening out there. I believe there was, we're rich, we're rich, we're rich. That's why we shout. We've got something worth shouting about when we come here. We've got the Holy Ghost. And you get this same Holy Ghost down in your heart, you will praise God. You will worship. You will shout.